been looking at the core values of our church. Um, again, I remind you this is not looking at the foundational truths of doctrine of the church. Uh, this is rather a bringing of the foundations together for what is the um, sort of the defining personality and characteristic of our uh, congregation. And so we don't talk about so much um, the commitment to Scripture, the deity of Christ, the efficacy of the blood of Jesus, the, um, uh, you know, those kinds of things, because that, that's the underlying foundation, right? So, so let's keep that clear that we, we're not departing from that at all. We're, we're simply striving to, to work that out uh, in our lives. And we've been looking at the core values of our church. We saw, uh, first of all, that we exist for the glory uh, for the praise of the glory of God's grace in Christ Jesus. That is, we're here for the glory of God. Uh, it's all about His glory. We define and evaluate. We measure what we do, all on the basis of does it bring glory to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we also saw that our core value is that we are a cross-generational church. We saw that that means more than just having activities for all um, ages. It is rather that each generation is reaching across the great divide, uh, striving to uh, interact and be a part of the life of younger generations and also reaching up to older generations, appreciating one another and learning from one another and, and discovering uh, how Christ is as absolute Lord in every uh, area of life, in every age of life, if you will. Uh, then we looked at the fact that we are overtly Trinitarian. Um, and I remind you that all truly Christian churches have to be Trinitarian. Uh, the Trinity is a doctrine that uh, brings together so much of scriptural truth that the doctrine of the Trinity, that God is one God in three persons, is a way to hug all the truth of Scripture at the same time. That's what we're trying to do in the Trinity. We suggested some ways to understand that. Uh, but we are overtly Trinitarian in that we are going to articulate that and look for the work of the Spirit through the Son that we might glorify the Father. So we are consciously, intentionally, overtly Trinitarian. This morning, I want for us to look at the core value that is this, um, uh, that we believe discipleship is a seamless journey. Discipleship is a seamless journey. Let's unpack that just for a second. The word discipleship just means we're all, as believers in Christ, we are followers of Christ, we are students of Christ, we are to be learning of Christ constantly and growing towards Him and becoming conformed to His image. And so discipleship is a way of talking about how we grow as Christians and more and more of our lives are brought under the orbit of the sovereignty of God in Christ over us. So that, that's what we mean when we're talking about discipleship, how it is that the gospel works itself out in our lives as believers committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that that process, that relationship to Christ is a seamless journey. It is seamless. It is not a phase. You know, too many of us thought or think that discipleship is a phase 
that you go through. We usually assign that to small children and, and older students. That The idea there is that, well, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and come and you're baptized, well, we want you to go to class. We want you to be uh, in Sunday school and learn the Bible stories and, and, and have somebody tell you what, what, what it means to, to be a believer in Jesus. But once you're out of high school, you've, you've pretty much mastered the topic. There's not much left to be said. Uh, you probably understand everything everything there is. Uh, you've gotten through your discipleship phase. Now you can just go sort of go on and live. And you'll see this in a lot of congregations that really have no opportunity for Bible study or for discipling um, in, a, in any kind of, of, of um, significant way for adults. Uh, it's largely viewed as a children's phase, if you will. Um, that's why sometimes we don't use the word Sunday school because for many people, Sunday school means, oh, that's for children. In our church, in our congregation, we are convinced that every person of every age needs to be learning the scriptures and growing in Christ. And so we have, if you will, Sunday school classes for every age. Uh, we, we can take care of you from the cradle, from the, cradle, from the uh, newborn, all the way up into that class where the next promotion is into glory. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we've got all ages there because we think and believe, we're convinced from Scripture that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a journey your whole life long, from birth to the new birth to the new life and the power of the resurrection and then to the grave and beyond. We believe that that is a journey of learning who Christ is more and more, uh, a deeper and deeper devotion to him. So it is a seamless thing. It is not a uh, phase that we go through or just something you dip into every now and then. It's going on constantly uh, in the life of the believer. And we, and we believe that discipleship is not only seamless, it is a journey. It is something that is happening every day and it is something that is in, in a constant um, uh, sort of dynamic working in our lives uh, so that um, as we go through life as a Christian believer, the, um, the, the reality of Christ just grows deeper and more profound in our lives every day. And so we're discovering new things. So uh, that, that's what we mean, that discipleship is a seamless journey uh, through life. Now, the reason that this has some uh, importance for you is that uh, there are a lot of problems and there are a lot of challenges, there are a lot of questions that you're going to have, and right now you don't have the foggiest notion what the answer is. I don't know what the problems are going to be. Maybe you, know, maybe you think, well, I've already been through my, my share of problems, I've already conquered that, and you know, we're, we're heading on. But there are things lying out there in the future that will challenge your faith. There are things out there that will make you question, you know, what is it I believe, or what is this thing called Christian faith? How does that work out in, in this situation? There are things that are coming down the pike that are going to confront you. You don't know what they are. God knows what they are. You don't know what they are. But if discipleship is a seamless journey, what we know is we will be growing. And when we get to that place of challenge, then God will be teaching us and, and guiding us and, and uh, bringing us through those challenging uh, sorts of things for his glory as we grow in Christ. And so the significance is that not only is this a core value for our church, it's a core value for the believer, that we want to be constantly growing in Christ and constantly growing deeper. Um, you know, if you talk to a mature Christian, and uh, by that I simply mean old, but if, 
But if you talk to older Christians, uh, a lot of times what they'll tell you is that the sweetness of Jesus has just grown deeper and deeper every day. And it has grown deepest in those times of trial and tribulation. That it has, it has grown more, more precious in those moments when there was pain going on, when there was heartache going on, grief and loss going on. It was in those moments that they really discovered how wonderfully deep Jesus is in our lives. Now, how does that relate to discipleship and the seamless journey? Basically, that as children, we get answers that work for children. As we grow into adulthood and we trans, uh, you know, tr uh, just go through the, uh, uh, the, the, the stages of life and, you know, whatever life brings, as we go through that, then there are other questions that come along that the faith of a child or the understanding of a child cannot quite comprehend and cannot quite address. So we need to be growing from that faith as a child. Look, a child's faith will save that child. I mean, I've, I've got to believe this. I came to Christ when I was about a month shy of nine years old. So I was an eight-year-old boy. Uh, I came to Christ. Uh, said I wanted to be baptized, and they, sure enough, they baptized me. My dad baptized me. And uh, what I wanted to tell you is I had no inkling that there was something called the Trinity. I had no idea what the virgin birth would be because I had no idea what, yeah, okay. So you see, as an age, I mean, it would, it would have been shocking and sort of out of, of a place to, to have known and talked about the, those things. I mean, I didn't come forward and say, I want to believe in Jesus Christ because I've been studying the book of the, of, of the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, and I've really got a spiritual interpretation down on that particular uh, book of the Bible. You know. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, and it's not like I, I, I came forward and I said, you know, I'm an eight-year-old boy, and, you know, I finally got this, this book of Ecclesiastes nailed. I, I pretty much understand what's going on in there, and uh, that's why I want to be. No, I had no idea this was going on. The questions raised by various parts of Scripture, the, the questions raised by life, the questions raised by, by just the, the Christian faith as to how you understand it, uh, things like the Trinity, for example, like election, you know, those kinds of things. Those questions came later. Now, look, if I had to answer those questions as an 8-year-old living as a 40, 50, 60-year-old, it's just not going to work. Are you tracking with me on this? So the faith of a child will save you, but a childish understanding is not sufficient to meet all the challenges that you're going to have in life. And so we need to understand the necessity of growing as believers in Jesus Christ. That's why I picked this passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians. I want for us to look at it for just a second. Um, and there's a lot going on in these verses. I understand that. We can't cover all those. I just want us to sort of um, uh, let it speak to us about growing, about maturing in Christ, those kinds of things. I understand there's a lot going on here about ecclesiology and so forth, but um, we're, our, our interest right now is, is pretty focused on, on discipling and growing. In verse 11, it says, He, that is Christ, gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. In other words, Jesus uh, has given to the church various leaders, teachers, and preachers who can uh, be the mechanisms that the Holy Spirit uses to sort of guide the body of Christ 
uh, forward in this thing of, of, of being a disciple of Jesus. In verse 12, he says, he gave these leaders, verse 12, in order to equip saints for the work of ministry. Now, the word saints there is just the Bible word for Christian. Um, and, and you are a saint uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a saint. Thank you, Debbie. So anyway, you and I are saints. So anyway, so, so the, the work of this ministry is uh, for the purpose that the saints would be equipped for the work of the ministry and for building up the body. In other words, that, that every believer would be involved in this thing. Uh, the, uh, the Christian walk is not a spectator sport. It's something we're to be um, involved in. So in verse 13, until we all, let's just stop there and, and underline the word, until we all, the expectation is, is for every believer in Jesus Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son to mature manhood. Um, the Greek is not gender specific, um, particularly in the use of the masculine case. Uh, simply say, until we, until we just grow up until we grow up and we move beyond just those opening sort of uh, beginning foundational understandings, we need to grow in our knowledge and grow in our understanding, grow in the application. He says, and, and that's the reason uh, God puts us in a body of Christ. That's why he gives us teachers and preachers and, th and people like that, so that we will reach a level of maturity. Now, do you ever reach it? The answer is no. Now, do you, not, not on this side of heaven. Do you ever come to the point where you can say, well, I've arrived, I've pretty much done the whole thing, I've, I've got every merit badge there is in the book, I've, I've, I'm, you know, 33, 33rd degree Christian, you know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, don't bother me. Uh, no, we're always growing. We're always moving towards that maturity in Christ. But that is a process that comes along. That's why we're talking about a journey. And we need to understand that it's a journey that keeps going on. We need to understand that as we're teaching our children as well. So maturity is a goal. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. Now, Jesus said the kingdom of God belongs to children, didn't he? He said if you want to get in the kingdom of God, you've got to become like a child. Now, what Jesus was talking about there is that um, in order to enter the kingdom, you don't enter it on your own strength and understanding. It's not like you're earning a place in heaven through all this. It is rather that when we come, we simply receive from the Father what he gives to us freely and lovingly, totally dependent upon him. And whatever questions we have, we just trust him. Whatever uh, confusions we have, we simply trust him for that. But then Paul here, he's saying, look, but in that childlike faith don't have a childish kind of discipleship. In other words, you need to keep growing and developing from that. Uh, let me see if I can illustrate that just, just a little bit. When we go to school, uh, we learn something called mathematics, right? And where do we start? In, in, in mathematics, we start with counting. You start with counting. By the way, counting is an amazing thing. Have you ever seen a preschooler count things? And you weren't impressed? Think about what this preschooler did. They, they abstracted the concept of numbers. You know, you put four blocks in a row, they'll go one, two, three, four. If you pick up the blocks and rearrange them and ask them to count, they don't say one, four, two, three. They don't assign the number to the block, they just assign a quantity and it's an order. This is a totally abstract thing. I mean, if you don't think this is impressive, just ask a, a dolphin to count. I mean, they, they're not very good at it. 
They splash a lot and things like that. But, but basically, a child starts with counting, and what I'm going to suggest to you is everything else you know about mathematics is just counting. Addition is just a way to count faster. Subtraction is just a way to uncount faster. It's just backwards addition. Multiplication is just addition gone crazy. It's just division, you know? Uh, somebody from the first service said, man, if you'd gotten into differential calculus, I would have gone crazy for you. Let me tell you the fundamental theorem of calculus can be done with nothing but counting. It's hard. <laughs> and you really, you really need more than that. I mean, most of you, though, you learned to count. You did arithmetic, addition, subtraction. And then somewhere along the line, you gave up on mathematics. Most of you did. You, know? you had to take pre-algebra. You gave up, didn't you? Some of you, it was geometry. You still don't see the point of geometry. Some of you, it was trigonometry. Some of you, it was calculus. We take the mandatory year of calculus. We never go back to it again. You know, those kinds of things. But it all goes back to that beginning moment when you taught a child to count. Now, look, if you brought a, a, a child and, 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 and into their adult years and asked them to, to work an advanced mathematical problem, they could do it with nothing but counting. It's, it's very hard, but you could do it. I'm not a philosopher of mathematics, but I think I'm right on this. It all goes back to something called Peano's postulates. I've lost you, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> anyway, it just goes back to that. Uh, you, you could do it, but it's easier if you've learned something more. In your Christian faith, the faith of a child will get you through every problem you have in life. But as you do that, you will learn more and more about the depth of God's love and grace. And the Holy Spirit will just be working in a more and more powerful way as you go along. We expect this in every field of human knowledge, that what you learn first as a child is fundamental. You never give that up, but you build on that. And so, too, the understanding of a child that Jesus loves me, died for my sins, I accept him, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Then we'd start building on that as how it applies to life, how it works out in the family, how it, how it just embraces the totality of human experience. The, those kinds of things have to be learned. And that's why discipleship is a is a seamless journey of learning and growing upon those things that are given to us when we first come to Christ. That's why we believe discipleship is a seamless journey. You're still with me on this? Okay. All right. So he says, let's not be children tossed about by every wind of doctrine, you know, deceitfulness, craftiness, those kinds of things. Um, here's why that's important, is that there's a lot of things that go on as you discuss the Christian faith um, with your unsaved friends, uh, um, there's philosophical problems, you know, the, the whole question of the existence of God and uh, how about election, how, what, do you, what do you do with that? And, uh, you know, just questions going on back and forth. And if all you've got, and you've never grown, all you've got is just the faith of a, of a, of a six-year-old, that's enough to save you, but you are going to get kicked around like crazy. But if you're grounded in the Word and you know the Word of God and you know the truths of Scripture and the precious doctrines of the faith uh, have, have become a part of your thinking, uh, then when these things come down the pike and these questions and doubts and, and challenges come down the pike, you're in a better position to understand how that fits in. And that's, that's our goal around here is that you're learning and constantly learning. Nothing wrong with problems. Nothing wrong with questions. Um, I've had questions in, in my Christian walk, and some of them have been very, very basic. 
Uh, one of the questions I dealt with for a long time was, how do you know God exists? Oh, I thought you were supposed to just know. Ah, that works for a, for a seven-year-old. But how do you know God exists? What is the evidence? How, how, does, how does that relate? How can you explain to somebody who claims to be an atheist that that is an irrational thing to do? By the way, it's an irrational thing to do. Um, you know, how, how do you explain to the person who says, oh, there's no evidence for God, that they've made a, a statement for which there's no evidence? Uh, that, you know, that, um, uh, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, this takes years to work through. Problem of the Trinity. I told you last year, uh, last week, it took me about 10 years to work through that one and come to some kind of accommodation on that. And folks, that wasn't painful. That was fun. Okay, it was fun. Trust me, it was fun. It is fun. It is rewarding. Um, there are some other questions that are asked. Um, you know, when you, when, when you start sinking down into depression, that's a challenge to your faith. If you're on a seamless journey of discipleship and growing in Christ, even the experience of depression ultimately becomes a teacher into the all-sufficient grace of God. And uh, if, if you're there this morning, all, all I want to promise you is this. You will get to the other side. The light will dawn again. And when you get to the other side, you will love Jesus more than you ever have before. And uh, nobody can tell you exactly why until you do it, but, uh, but trust me on this one. Uh, so it's a seamless journey. You know, just, just, um, just rejoice in the process of learning more and more and more of who Jesus Christ is. Um, so... Where are we now? Verse 15, something like that? Rather, speaking the truth in love. Oh, wow. We are to grow up. Just grow up. <laughs> here, here, here's here's my, uh, my, my theory of church leadership. Just grow up. <laughs> okay. Okay. You didn't think that was nearly as funny as I did. <laughs> but then you haven't had to listen to the things I've been Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. I love this preposition. We are to grow into Christ. A lot of people think, well, we grow out of Christ. You know, yeah, as a child, you need Jesus, you need God and all that. But when you grow up, you don't really need that kind of thing. No, when you grow up, you really need him. When you grow up, you, you have a greater need for who he is. And so we grow into Christ. We don't grow out, we grow into who Jesus Christ is. That's why uh, the Scripture says that uh, we are being conformed to the image of God's dear Son. Uh, that's the purpose of your life. That, that's the goal of your life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. All right? So uh, we grow into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now again, I suggest to you that this is a pretty good core value for you to have. It's good for the church to have a core value. Discipleship is a seamless journey. Uh, we want to see people growing at every phase of life, every step of life. So um, it's a good core value for a church. I suggest it's like a really good core value to have as an individual believer, to value the process of growing constantly in a seamless journey of growing in, in who Jesus Christ is. Um, that, that's sort of the, the value that this has uh, for your life. Um, if you're not a believer this morning, by the way, 
I just want to invite you to start the adventure. Uh, you know, if, if you're sort of hanging back, you know, maybe, maybe you uh, went to church as a kid and you're, you're still hanging around pretty close, but uh, there's a lot of things that, that aren't making sense and all that. What I, what I invite you to do is just, you know, get back on the journey of growing in Jesus Christ, of establishing a constant day-by-day growing process, a journey of discipleship. Uh, look, do you have to get the answers now? No. You know, some of those answers come later. I've, I've been working on some things for decades. You know, 30 years, some, some of these things, and I'm still working on them, have better answers than I used to. You know, I, this just occurred to me, you know, you know, how can there be evil, evil in the world if there's a good God? You know, how, how can God be good and yet there's evil in the world? This one, just, I just struggled with that one for a very, very long time. And, and, and uh, after about 25, 30 years of struggling with that, you know, I just started to come to some answers uh, from the Scripture that just sort of made sense to me. I won't share them with you now, haha. But, uh, 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 and, and, and then, you know, when these answers occurred to me, uh, I found out that other people had already found them, and if I'd just read their books earlier, I would have been fine. But, you know, but there's nothing wrong with working on problems and working on questions and developing your understanding and developing your faith. Um, I, I, I said it was fun, didn't I? It is rewarding. And it's, it's kind of fun to see God pulling these things together and working them out. Do you ever get all the answers? No. But you can sure get a lot of answers along the way, along the journey, along the journey. It just takes that commitment, that, that, that uh, sort of desire to go on the journey. So, you know, if, if you're apart from that journey right now, either, either someone who doesn't believe in Christ or, or someone who, you know, you sort of had that child experience but you've never done much with it, I just encourage you to start a journey, a seamless journey of discipleship, of following Jesus Christ as that works out um, in your life. I mean, there's so much of this um, that, that just makes life deeper. Um, let me give you another example. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're a kid in Sunday school, uh, they teach you the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Par- you, you know the parable, a man went down from Jerusalem, fell among thieves, was beaten half to death, led, led for, left for dead, uh, along comes a bunch of religious folks, they ignore him, and then along comes this Samaritan guy, uh, who's supposed to be on the wrong side of humanity. But this, this Samaritan guy comes along, and he helps the guy uh, who was injured and binds up his wounds and makes sure he's taken care of him. Okay, fine. When you learn that as a child in Sunday school, I don't know about you, but, but the, you know, the lesson I got was we should all be like the good Samaritan, and we should help people in need. That's who our neighbor is. We should all help them in need. That's the point of the story. That's fine. Um, and, and, and that works for a very long time. Here's what happens if you keep that story in mind as you go through life. Ultimately, at some point, you will realize it's not just that I need to be the Samaritan and be, be helpful to people. What's also happening is I turn out to be the, per, the person, the guy who fell among thieves. And there really comes a time in my life when I'm weary and I'm weak and I'm wounded lying by the side of the road. And as the anthem said just a moment ago, someone comes along and says, lift up your head. Love is passing by. And I need that. And you see how the same parable, it had that meaning for the child, and that didn't go away, but it gains an even deeper meaning as you live it out and as more and more of your life begins to correspond to what Jesus was talking about. Um, in, in that regard. Over and over again, this happens as the Scripture becomes deeper and deeper as our life experiences are revealed 
and, and matched up to the scriptures. So um, that's, that's why we're, we're talking about uh, a seamless journey here and uh, to keep growing. And so my challenge to you this morning is to be on that journey um, and to rejoice in the journey. And when the questions and the doubts come, when the challenges and the confusions come, don't, don't pack it in and, and, and say, wow, this isn't working, I, I'm, I quit. Look at it this way. Those challenges are invitations to grow deeper in Christ in a way you can't imagine. That's why it's a challenge. In a way that, that, that you, you thought impossible, that's why it's a challenge. And so let the Holy Spirit work in your life to put you on a seamless journey of following Jesus. Okay? All right. We're going to pray, we're going to sing, then we're going to come to the Lord's table. Okay? Let's bow together. Father in heaven, I'm so thankful that you are real every day, powerful every day, meaningful every day. I'm thankful that our journey in life is not set up to be disjointed, but to be a seamless whole that, that just shows your glory in every venue of life. So, Father, I ask that you would continue to work in our lives, your Holy Spirit poured out upon the folks in this room, that each one of us would gain that excitement that comes by being devoted to Christ day by day by day. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.